becoming part of a startup takes a certain mentality. Uh, not everybody is willing to do that. And most people do take significant pay cuts to take that opportunity and to take that risk, right? And if you have that right person who comes in with the right mentality and they know that the rewards are a few years down the line, those are the type of people you want to recruit who come in not only believing, not only having the right mentality, but also believing in the concept and the product. And when you have those two come together, you have the right people on your bus. Welcome to The Irresistible Factor, a podcast where I talk to founders and investors and retailers about what it takes to launch successful brands, from developing a compelling proposition and brand identity, to raising capital, to getting distribution, and more. My name is Christy Bridges, and I'm a marketing expert with tons of experience and a true love for all things health and wellness. Welcome to today's episode of The Irresistible Factor. I'm talking with some really interesting folks today. So I'd like to introduce Brian Coda, who's the big boba boss, and then Bob Yao, who's the chairman and founder. So welcome to the podcast. I'm really excited to have you guys talk about boba with us. Thanks, Christy. Thank you for having us. Yeah. So why don't we start with maybe, Bob, you just give us a little bit of sense of the brand and how you founded it, and then we can talk about how you got involved, Brian. Well, thank you, Christy. The way that Boba Bam began is a fun story. Effectively, during the pandemic in 2020, at the height of it, you know, there was a lot of self-quarantine in place and a lot of the Boba stores were closed at the time. But the ones that were open had these extensively long lines. And because of these long lines and, you know, I wanted to give my kids a treat of Boba and be able to take it back home to them, waiting in these lines, I decided, well, You know, I'd prefer to have a convenient, low-cost option at home for my kids. So I went home and I asked my wife if this was a great idea, if we could have an at-home boba kit. And she said yes. Uh, Fortunately, uh, she's only said yes to two things. One was, you know, when I asked her to marry me. And then this one. So I knew I had a winner on my hands. And, you know, that started the long process of uh, doing some research. And in my research, I went online on Google and I looked And I discovered something pretty staggering. The first one was that, you know, the global market for boba is approximately 1.89 billion in 2018 and will almost double by 2026. So within the eight short years, the market globally will double. So that's a pretty staggering number. The second thing, you know, I learned in my past is that, you know, I like Tim Ferriss. I don't know if you know who Tim Ferriss is. I love him. Love him. Yeah. For our work week, for our body, for our chef, you know, tribe of mentors. And one of his advice was that today we have a lot of research tools at our disposal. And one of them is Google Trends. So I went into Google Trends and I needed to benchmark popularity of boba against what I would think that is really popular in the American market today. And it occurred to me that cupcakes were a big favorite in America. So I took a cupcake and then I put in against boba as a trend in search term. And coincidentally, in December of 2020, boba surpassed a cupcake, which was mind blowing at the time. And then the last piece of research that I did was I went to old reliable Yelp and just typed in uh, boba stores or bubble tea stores and went through every state. And I looked at it and it was fascinating to see that that category 
has increased fivefold since 2012. And the amount of mentions about boba has doubled in that time. So, you know, I knew I was in a place where this is a product that is basically, you know, on a rocket ship trajectory. And once we qualified with this research and analysis, you know, it was really important that Boba BAM was something that was convenient, something that was low cost and had the flexibility to be customized in unlimited ways. So before we get to you, Brian, and how you got involved, I want to ask you, Bob, to just tell people what Boba is who might not know. Like, I think a lot of people who are listening know because this is obviously a natural foods podcast for founders, but there may be some consumers, there may be some people in the investment community that aren't as familiar with it. So could you talk about what it is really quickly? Of course. So Boba is based out of a cassava root which is then ground into powder and then turned into these little spherical shapes that you put into a drink. It's cooked and then you put into a drink and it provides a chewy texture. People also think of it as like tapioca starch, which it is, but it's made out of cassava. And it's just these tiny small balls that add texture and chewiness to your drinks. Awesome. And traditionally in this country, at least, it's something you had to go out to have, right? Are you the first brand to bring it home? We're the first brand to bring it into national markets uh, in the U.S. And we've been very fortunate because this particular product, if you had to make it at home, there's two options. One is make it out of the tapioca starch, add water, roll it like a pizza, and you chop it into like uh, enoki, and then you throw it into the water and you boil it. The other option is you can buy a dry bag. And this dry bag of balls, you basically have to boil it between 30 and 45 minutes to get to the right texture. And then, you know, you have to deal with the variability of heat and time and that sort of thing. And you get an inconsistent product. So our product, I was going to say, you could guess that most Americans who are so convenience driven are not doing either of those things. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. Absolutely. (laughs) Yes. 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 So that's really cool. And on top of that, you decide to start during a pandemic. I mean, I've talked to a lot of people who made it through the pandemic, but I haven't talked to many people who decided to start during the pandemic. So I have to hear all about that too. And then Brian, jump in whenever you want and talk about how you got involved and what made you feel like it was a good opportunity. Thank you. So I've known Bob for 22 years. We crossed paths way back when we were both extremely younger. I probably had very little, if any, gray hair back then. <laughs> yeah, Bob calls me one day. You know, after he did, he was sort of playing around with the concept and and we started talking and started sharing the data with me. And to be honest with you, my family has been drinking boba for years. So I'm a 14-year-old, 15-year-old, and we're boba connoisseurs, basically. I would consider ourselves boba connoisseurs. So we love boba. So when he brought up the idea to me and very compelling research that he had already come up with, I thought, oh, that's really interesting. It's data is very compelling. I love the product myself. My family loves it. And, you know, intuitively, I mean, it was, if you think about it, I mean, we always go out to have boba after meal, sometimes on weekends, like three o'clock, two o'clock is a snack. It did cost us like 40 bucks to go out there to have, you know, our family to have boba. And all of a sudden, the idea of having a really nice product, that a clean label, nice, convenient product that we could just, you know, we're sitting around the house. We just, you know, go to the fridge, freezer, open it up, make a boba at home for a fraction of the cost was just a very compelling thing to me. Even personally, I was sold. I was ready to go. 
So can you talk about your background? Like what made you decide to get involved with this just from a, what were you doing before this perspective? Yeah, I actually have been in the food industry for about 20 years. I started as a very traditional CPA, MBA business background, but, you know, I took a wide left and started my own restaurant like 20 some years ago with my own commissary. So I've been in the industry for a long time. You know, once you get into it, you really can't get out of it. It's too much fun. You know, <laughs> who doesn't love food? It's so true. it was just for me, it was an opportunity. And I've been an entrepreneur. I've started my own companies. I've helped other small family businesses grow. So it's really something that I love to do. And, you know, even at 52, I still take risks in life. So despite being an accountant, <laughs> So that's why it was very exciting to me to take an opportunity that I think is very compelling and backed by data and, and something that I was personally excited about, right? I love Boba. So it was, it was really, not really easy. It was harder to convince my wife that I was going to quit my job and go become an entrepreneur again. But for me, it was a much easier decision because I was really excited about it. How did you get exposed to Boba so long ago? Coincidence? Well, my wife has Asian background, uh-huh. so naturally, and I have a lot of Asian friends. So yeah, if you rewind 15, 20 years ago, it was a very Asian ethnic product. And I think, again, what we've seen over the years that we've been drinking at, we've had a lot of non-Asian friends ourselves that drink boba. If you go to, my kids go to high school in Manhattan Beach, probably you know 90% of the population is not Asian or ethnic background. Every kid in the high school drinks boba. I mean, that's just in itself is a telling story that it has completely crossed over all the lines, ethnic lines, and everybody, especially the younger demographic, are drinking it and enjoying it. So tremendously. Bob, what's your background? What did you do before this venture? I've been in management consulting. I've owned a, a management consulting company that consulted for, you know, all of big tech companies like Facebook, Salesforce, Netflix, Plantronics, that sort of thing. But my family owned a family restaurant all of my life. So, you know, that's where I've got my uh, (laughs) interest from. Talk about, so did you completely leave that part of your life or are you still doing both giving yourself Uh, a young brand? I I mostly focus on food now and quite enjoy it. Obviously, you know, I really enjoy the idea that Boba Bam is a, a product that's from Taiwan, which I'm from Taiwan. So, you know, there's not a lot of known products from Taiwan. So I feel very fortunate to be able to, to take this product, you know, Boba Bam to the mass markets. So talk about where the brand is now and what your plans are. Where do you want to see it go? How do you feel like it's going given the fact that you launched during a pandemic? Yeah, fortunate for us. We started with one of the largest retailers in the world. We got our start at Costco, which is usually (laughs) the reverse way when you typically end up at Costco towards the end of your cycle. But we're in Costco nationwide right now. Uh, We're also in Sam's nationwide as well. We just recently launched in uh, Aldi supermarket in California and Texas. And we're also launching in another national retailer, very popular national retailer that I can't mention. So. Our goal is to really start expanding the product into the more natural and organic segments. I think that is the right channel. Typically, the consumers in that channel are well-traveled. They're more adventurous with products. So we do believe that that's the right place for us to continue to grow. 
We also believe that there's also an opportunity for us in food service as well. It's something that we're starting to actually see. We have food service operators that are coming to us now that see the simplicity of our product and how easy it is to prepare versus, you know, these aren't boba shops. These aren't the companies that want to just start boiling boba in the back and preparing it. They're taking our product and just heating it and and able to do an add-on to a drink. So we see a whole segment of food service that's starting to really materialize as a very viable growth opportunity for us as well. So retail, food service, super exciting. There's a huge opportunity. I'm curious to know how you got Costco to take you guys at such an early stage. When Was it data that you had been gathering? Was that how you did it? Or was it a different kind of relationship that you already had? It feels so, yes. so fast. A valid point. Very good question. The Costco actually operates uh, regionally and nationally. I've uh, sold to Costco myself as a small business a couple of times in my career, in my entrepreneurial careers. Believe it or not, they're very small business friendly. The regional offices that exist around the country for Costco, they're always looking for new and unique local products they can bring into a region specifically that sort of fits the demographic. It's a local company. So a lot of small companies, believe it or not, do get a start at Costco. They have the ability to launch your product in 10 locations versus 50 or 100. And if the product does well, they'll work with you to grow that business. You know, sort of they don't want to kill you. They just want to help you, you know, develop your brand. You know, if you're looking from outside in at Costco, it's it's scary. It's scary, right? It's one of the largest retailers in the world. But the reality is, I think if you have a really good product and go to a region and they'll, you know, if they they like it and they think it has potential, they'll test it. And you very quickly know within a week or two, you will know if that product is going to be successful. And when when our product went into Costco, Texas, when we called on them, it sold in less than a week, right? Our first two truckloads, less than a week. So it was like, okay, we think we have something here. Yeah. We know we have something here. Yeah. Yeah. It was really exciting. It was fun. So are you in Costco nationally now or are you going region by region? We're still selling to regions, but we're in all eight regions of Costco across the country. We're also in Canada, Costco, West and East in Canada. Wow. And we're going to be launching in Sam's Club in Mexico in the next three months. We've also been approved by Ralph Supermarket. So all 189 locations. Slowly but surely. (laughs) That's incredible. Talk about... Have you had any, I mean, I would find it hard to imagine that launching during COVID, you wouldn't have challenges, but what have been like the biggest challenges for you guys so far? I would say the challenge is what everyone else has been facing is ocean freight and logistics, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that is what companies like Walmart are struggling, or were struggling, yeah. they continue to struggle with that. We've been really fortunate. One, our third partner, Ron, He's been in the industry for 30 plus years. He's honestly been a magician. I mean, we've had many instances in Costco where usually walk into a Costco, usually something is set at like half a freezer door or one freezer door. There were many, many times where we walk into Costco and we have three freezer doors of our product only because we were able to supply products where a lot of other suppliers were not. And honestly, I don't neither Bob or I can take any credit for that. It's our partner, Ron, who's just been doing an amazing job with his contacts and knowing the industry and having a lot of, I don't know, just, just knowing how to navigate through the challenges. It's been amazing, but that has been the hardest part of our business. 
So it hasn't uh, been without hiccups. Let's just I, think, that. Well, I think everyone would say that's the challenge right now. I mean, every single brand is going through the same thing. I wonder, I mean, it hopefully eventually that part will come to an end and then you'll have the regular challenges of being an entrepreneur, right? Yeah. I think um, one of the challenges that we continue to have is, you know, I think there's about, the awareness of boba is pretty high. I mean, about 55 to 60% of people are aware of boba, but you know, there's still a large population that's not. So there's going to be a continuing education of what the product is and how delicious it is. And, and I think that's going to be a continue to be a challenge, a good challenge for us, right? Like anything else that's new to a marketplace, you always have to spend some time and effort educating the people who don't know it. And I think that's going to be a, another aspect of our challenge. How are you guys going about doing that right now? Well, it's a good question. We love to go and meet with buyers and get in front of them and talk about it and make the product for them. It's a fun part of actually doing sales, right? But unfortunately, right now, many buyers to this day still don't take meetings, right? So that's one aspect of it. The other aspect that we're really pushing out is through just social media and digital marketing and PR. I mean, we have been able to, over the just short time, we have had over 30 different stories and various outlets that have talked about us, wrote about us, you know, Channel 5, KTLA in LA and certain, a lot of other outlets as well. So that's one piece. And then digital media, social media, we're trying to create awareness of the product, how fun it is, how delicious it is, what different things you can do with boba. That's the other beauty part of the boba is our product is not just a drink. You can literally make it and pour it over your waffles in the morning. You can add it on top of your ice cream. And there's so many different things you can do. You can have it with your Baileys in the evening on Friday night, if you really want to have some fun with that. So the application of our boba, it goes well beyond just making a boba milk tea drink. And that's another piece that we're continually trying to create awareness of with various digital marketing and social media efforts. Where do you guys want the brand to be, you know, in 2025? That goes to our visionary Bob. Come on, Bob. <laughs> this one's yours. <laughs> oh, great. So Boba Bam, we would like to be the number one dominant brand in the market when people think of, you know, boba drinks or instant boba kits at home. That's convenient, low cost. I think that's what folks would go to first. I think the biggest compliment is when, you know, we become a verb, right? Let's go Boba Bam it, right? And become synonymous with the category you know, like Kleenex and tissue and that sort of thing. Our ideology is to become the dominant player in all major retailers within the U.S., expand internationally as we already are, and then also broaden the different flavors. So when people make a boba, they think, you know, let's go boba bam it. Awesome. Do you have any competitors now, aside from actual locations where people would go, physical places? There are no other competitors in mass market that are competing with us. There's some products in ethnic Asian supermarkets, but I mean, we spend months developing our product. The product that we have is very clean and we intentionally spend a lot of time to make sure it's a clean label product. We only have eight ingredients in it. You can read the ingredients, you know exactly what they are. And that was very intentional on our part to develop a product like that. And there's nothing else even remotely close to our product out there. So Indirectly, I would say there's really not a viable competitor in the market uh, right now that we are aware of. Yeah. 
I mean, I would have, obviously that will probably change just like it always does. You found something great. Someone's going to come and try to replicate what you're doing. Correct. So I had one more question for you. Do you have any DTC business right now with this brand? Can you do that or not really? We don't have any DTC. We originally, actually Bob's idea was DTC at the beginning. And then once we nailed down the product and the product ended up being a frozen product, which was the only way to keep the integrity and the clean ingredients, it's cost prohibitive for us. Yes. But, well, yes. I mean, if we end up somewhere with like Amazon Fresh, where it's already doing deliveries to people's homes, then I think it, it would make a lot of sense to have the scale. It goes with a lot of other products, but for us, it's been a little bit cost prohibitive. We're going to continue to explore because I think it's a great option channel for us. That would be a challenge that we need to figure out. Do you have any ideas on how you might expand or you want to just stick to Boba? Like from an innovation perspective, are there other places to go that you already have in your mind or is it let's get this done first the right way? There is a very long runway for us still with this boba. In addition to the existing product, we are already adding a whole bunch of new flavors to it. We're even coming out with some holiday flavors. You have to stay tuned for those. But in addition to that, we've already expanded to a whole new line. We've created some all-natural boba ice cream bars that are just going to start being marketed to retailers. They're amazing. They're they're so good. You're going to have to try some. I would love to. So we do have a matcha, a coffee, a brown sugar. And we also have created a a boba ice cream bar that it's a vanilla flavored with boba in there. And it's got a chocolate shell around it. It's almost like that Haagen-Dazs. I think it's Haagen-Dazs Magnum bar. That's one of the best selling bars. But with boba in it. That's so cool. How can you not love that? (laughs) That's amazing. I mean, if you could walk around and you were the one who was going up and getting people to try it, I'm sure you'd be wildly successful because you're enthusiastic. One at a time. Yes. Yes, One at a time. I can convert them one at a time. Only what? Eight billion people? No problem. (laughs) (laughs) Seems like you can do it. I feel confident in you. (laughs) Thank you, Christy. Appreciate that. So I have to say, you guys have done the craziest thing of all time. So you launch a product during a pandemic and you can't even deliver it to people's homes. They still have to go to the store. And here you are two years later talking about it. That's amazing. Amazing. Yeah. So you have to tell our listeners some lessons you've learned along the way or give them some advice because that's pretty incredible. So the lessons along the way of starting a company in general I think there's this thing that I had learned, you know, working in Silicon Valley, the venture capitalists always just say the same thing to all the founders and entrepreneurs. They say, you only have to focus on two things to be successful. The first one is have a great product, right? Because a great product will be well accepted and maybe you could sell itself, especially in software. The second thing is great distribution, right? And if we can focus on those two things, you know, you will have a great company. That's what entrepreneurship is about. So fortunately, when we started Boba Bam and all the R&D and turning it to clean label, Boba Bam was a well-received product right off the bat. You know, we didn't have to re-engineer many times. We basically got it out right out of the gate pretty quickly. And then the second thing is, is we nailed distribution, obviously speaking about Ron, who has tremendous experience through the cold chain. So, you know, as an entrepreneur, anybody starting a new company, you have to focus on those two things, you know, your product and then distribution, distribution, including sales and and that sort of thing. So that's one lesson. The second lesson is effectively is gather a great team, right? And you'll hear that through 
all those big uh, investors and, and entrepreneurs that, you know, you can't build a company by yourself. So as long as you have a great team, your vision is aligned, your mission is aligned, you know, your everybody's compensated in a great way, then things come together. And then, you know, you have a great team, great product and great distribution. So that would be my advice for any new entrepreneur is find your product, find your distribution, find your team, you know, obviously be able to fund it. <laughs> That's a good segue though. How do you do that? Like, how did you guys do that? Did you raise capital initially? Or are you in the process of doing it now? Because getting a great team is expensive. And right. So that's a hard part, actually. It's not hard from a, I can find people I want to work with, but when you're a startup, that's one of the big challenges and why people take so long to hire because they generally can't. Yeah. I can turn it over to you, Brian, but you know, my point of view has been that, especially in my circumstance, knowing Brian, knowing, and Brian, knowing everybody else (laughs) is that, you know, Brian was in the right headspace at the time uh, in order to accept this opportunity And I think in general, life in general, right? I had an old boss who used to say, opportunity is always knocking. You just have to have the right timing to be able to accept the opportunity. So with respect to funding and that sort of thing, we've bootstrapped the bananas out of this thing. So Ron, Brian, and I have like scraped up, you know, as far as we can in order to support this thing to go. So we've been very fortunate, you know, in the past few years to be able to do this. You know, looking forward to the future, you know, there's something that we have to figure out. But as we continue to have this success, I think things will will work itself out. Yeah. Interesting. Do you want to add to that, Brian? Because I think that's a big question. I mean, you guys had you had three partners who had a really good combination of experience and also enthusiasm. And I think there are a lot of people that just start things on their own or like, where do I do? Where do I turn? How do I find support? You guys seem to have had a good system from day one. Yeah. And what I like to add is this. I mean, Bob is right. I'm a very, uh, I'm a good networker. I have a lot of people in my network of friends, people that I normally become friends with a lot of people I work with. Genuinely. I love people. I love having relationships with people. As you can tell from my <laughs> my everlasting smile. Your everlasting and, um, smile. I hope, but you know, a lot of people won't see you because this is mostly going to be on podcast, but I wish they would see you because you guys are amazing and you are smiling the whole time. So your enthusiasm, I mean, I could see how you could go into a place and have someone say, yes, whatever, whatever. <laughs> sure. Give me 10 of those. But I mean, because of that, I believe likely I've assembled an amazing team from my last 20 years, people that I've known along the way. And you had a very valid point. Becoming part of a startup takes a certain mentality. Uh, Not everybody's willing to do that. And most people do take significant pay cuts to take that opportunity and to take that risk, right? And if you have that right person who comes in with the right mentality, and they know that the rewards are few years down the line. Those are the type of people you want to recruit who come in not only believing, not only having the right mentality, but also believing in the concept and the product. And when you have those two come together, you have the right people on your bus. So. How important is believing in what the product is and as far as being successful? I'm a highly emotional person, as you can tell. I have to believe and love the product that I promote that I work for, work so hard for. So, you know, no offense. Like I couldn't go out there and sell insurance, right? It just does nothing for me. Like yep. I yep. I may be a great insurance salesman if I tried, <laughs> but 
I have to really believe, and, and the people that come on board, I would want them to. I would really want them to really believe in the product and know that know how good it is and how hard we work to develop it and the opportunity with it. And I want them to be drinking boba with me like on a daily basis. <laughs> no, not every day, but it's okay. But um, yeah, you know, yeah, but you it's true. To, yeah, you want to feel it. And same for you, Bob. I I would imagine. I mean, you launched it; it was your baby. So I would of imagine that if you didn't feel that way, you couldn't give up the other things that you were doing for this. Absolutely. Yeah. So you guys have been great from a time perspective. I don't want to take too much of your time, but say one thing each about what you would tell someone who was considering doing what you did. Just give them one great piece of advice or one thing that you learned that you want them to know. I will start because Bob is going to have a better one than we. He always does. He is the one who always call him for words of advice. So just let's put that out there. But honestly, um, it's a cliche and, if you really believe in something, you should take chances in life and go for it. Otherwise, you know, you could go through your whole life regretting why you didn't take that chance. And I've taken chances and I've failed, right? Uh, but if I hadn't done that, I would have never known. And I probably would have many bigger regrets than, than actually failing. I think those failures taught me everything I know today that I'm able to, yeah. you know, use to become successful. So. Yep. So my one piece of advice, I have a short little story. So many years ago, I was laid off from a company back in 2008. And I was laid off and uh, I was reassessing my future. And I went on Yelp to find a career coach. I thought, oh, I need a career coach. So I went on Yelp and I found a guy. He had a five-star rating, five reviews. So I thought, okay, great. I should contact him, right? So I called him because he's the only one that had reviews. And I met with him. And, you know, I said, oh, you know, I want to start a company. You know, I was just laid off. I'm licking white wounds. What should I do? You know, and then he says, well, it's effectively you have a built up amount of fear, right? So this is your homework assignment. Go home and think about what defeats fear, right? And then I come back a week later. I'm paying this guy like, you know, 150 bucks an hour. So I'm expecting like a, you know, a miracle answer. Yeah. Uh, so I sit down with him and then he says, so what's your answer? I said, no, I want to hear your answer first and then I'll give you my answer. And he said, the answer is love. And I said, come on, this is not frozen with Elsa and Anna. We're not, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and <laughs> so I said, I don't like your answer. And I told him my answer. My answer is information. So uh -huh. what I've discovered as an entrepreneur, you know, starting Boba Bam, starting my other companies is effectively sitting there. And as long as you collect enough information uh, about a particular issue or risk or whatever, then it takes away uh, all of that fear because then yeah. it turns into steps and you know what to do at that point. Yep. So my advice is collect as much information to defeat your fear. And then it turns into actions and then actions become you know results. So that's my answer. That is pretty inspiring. I have to say, Brian, I'm gonna call Bob for advice too now. You would have been a better coach than me. What happened with the coach? Did you, were you done with the coach after that? Uh, no, we had two more sessions, but that actually really helped shape, you know, the path that I'm on now. So he was yeah. worth it. I should add another star. Oh, that's amazing. I mean, that's so cool. I think both of those things are probably true, but in different ways, right? Yeah. Love probably wouldn't have defeated your fear that your brand wasn't going to be successful. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Maybe Very your marriage, true. but not your brand. <laughs> right. There you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's so interesting. God, that's amazing. That's really cool. So I will tell you guys, 
I'm always listening when we're talking for how I'm going to start the podcast, like my little intro clip. And I already started like five things. So I don't know what I'm going to do. So it'll be a surprise to all of us when you hear it, (laughs) which thing I picked. Yeah. But it might be that last one. because that was pretty profound, actually. Awesome. Well, thank you. As I told you, he takes mine and he takes it to a whole new level. So my taking the risk add the information to it. Now you got a really good advice. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Exactly. So this is incredible. I want people to go to your website. So say your website, so people can go and find out what Boba Bam is and really start to understand it. Because I think even though I know what Boba is sort of, I've never had it. And now I have obviously a much better understanding and I really want to have it. So tell people where to find you. Oh, uh, you can find us at uh, BobaBam.com. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. I think this is great. I love all the advice that you gave. I wish you guys all the success in the world. Thank you so much, Christine. We we love talking to you. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to The Irresistible Factor. I'm Christy Bridges, and I can't wait to see you next Wednesday.